Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Jack Rayner on his scary new movie this summer, Midsummer, plus his time in Transformers and that time he nearly played Han Solo. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. So excited to bring you the very talented young Irish actor by the name of Jack Rayner. Always been a fan of this guy. Uh, I met him, strangely enough, on the set of a Transformers movie, and I immediately uh, was charmed by him and knew he was in this business for all the right reasons. He is a true film geek like myself, may even know more about <laughs> some things than me, and I feel a little overmatched, but I still love him nonetheless. Damn him. He's got a very cool new film that's coming out July 3rd. It is called Midsummer or Midsummer however you want to pronounce it, it's scary. It's the new film from Ari Aster, who directed last summer's Hereditary, which made my top 10 list an amazing piece of work. And this one is just as creepy, just as disturbing, just as frightening, and just as riveting. Uh, it stars Jack alongside Florence Pugh, who's also a, a huge rising new star. She's excellent in the film. And Will Poulter, who's another great young talent who Jack is good buddies with, and they've worked uh, together on a few films. Um, Jack's uh, been doing great work ever since he burst onto the screen. He, he was making quality films back home in Ireland and then got this huge break to be one of the, the leads in a Transformers movie. And since then, has really been doing interesting work, whether it's working on, on films like Sing Street, uh, Macbeth with Michael Fassbender. Uh, he's in a new CBS All Access show. It's actually not so new. It's in its second season called Strange Angel. Um, and and then of course there's the, the the time he nearly you know played Han Solo, which is a fascinating tale in and of itself. And we do indeed talk about that experience where Jack was very much in the running. He was one of the final contenders. Nearly got that role. And to hear his perspective on what it was like to go up for it and what it was like to kind of witness how that film was perceived is pretty fascinating. Not to mention his attitude about films of that size and, and superhero films and films of that ilk. Um, so great to catch up with him. I, sh I should say, you know, Midsummer doesn't open for a couple weeks. And if you're, if you're spoiler sensitive, maybe pause this one for a little bit. We do, I mean, J Jack, and Jack really volunteered. He went places that I wasn't expecting him to go to in terms of talking about the fate of his character and things that his character goes through. Um, to me, it's not a huge spoiler because this really is a film about the creepiness, the dread, the journey, uh, as much as, as it is of how it all resolves. So that being said, if you really are spoiler adverse, don't listen to this one, or at least don't listen to the first half of this one until you've seen Midsommar. Um, but uh, it's, this is an entertaining conversation, and I, I, I was so happy to catch up with Jack. He's, a, as I said, charming, talented young man. Anyway, um, a lot going on. I returned from Los Angeles. I had a, uh, a fun time covering the MTV Movie and TV Awards. I did my red carpet duties, as I often have done over the years, co-hosting the pre-show. Um, and it was a blast. And then I went backstage after the red carpet and did the backstage interviews with all the winners. Um, it was so much fun to catch up with Dwayne Johnson backstage, who had received the Generation Award, Sandra Bullock, who won an award, uh, Elizabeth Moss, uh, a slew of, of amazing talent back there. All those interviews we've been putting up all over MTV's, MTV News' YouTube page. I've been tweeting it out and putting it up on my social media, uh, on Instagram, but um, maybe the best one-stop shopping is to go to MTV News' YouTube page to watch my interviews there. 
Um, and uh, yeah, it was an exhausting but fun time. I should also mention, God, there's, <laughs> there's been a lot of Josh Horowitz content out there, guys. I apologize. Maybe too much. Uh, or maybe an embarrassment of riches. I don't know. But uh, we debuted a new long-form video interview series for me on MTV that I'm super proud of. The team's done a great job on it. We call it Personal Space. And it's basically, it's basically a long-form conversation where we take a, a actor or filmmaker to a place that is of significance to them. It could be their home, it could be a place that you know, was important to their career. Sometimes it might just be um, an innocuous environment that we kind of like dress up into, into a place that f is filled with meaning. But luckily, the first two that we've done of these under the personal space banner, um, I'm, I'm so proud of. We talked to uh, Jada Pinkett Smith. I went to Jada Pinkett Smith's house uh, in California and that was a treat. The Smith Estate, the compound, whatever you want to call it, it's big guys. Uh, by the way, the Smiths know how to cater. I had some of the best sweet potato fries I've ever had in the space we were shooting in. I was told that Will insists on treating his guests very well and, and providing delicious food. And guys, there's sweet potato fries that were amazing. There were shrimp ceviche. There was three different kinds of water. It was good. Then there was the interview itself, which was fantastic too. Jada is a true presence. She is killing it lately. She uh, has her own talk show, Red Table Talk, on Facebook. Um, a really frank and interesting conversation with her that uh, is also on MTV News' YouTube page. Also worth noting is we are about to drop a very special conversation that I got a chance to do um, in Los Angeles when I was there last week. Uh, just a few days ago, I went to um, the Slauson Rec Theater Company in Compton, Los Angeles, where Shia LaBeouf is trying to transform lives and teach theater and bring theater to communities that don't necessarily get theater brought to, um, brought to them. And we had an extensive, really soul-searching, deep conversation with a guy that I, I really admire. And I, really, I know he's had his ups and, down, ups, ups and downs, rather, and he's made some significant mistakes. Uh, but I'm always rooting for him because I, I know him well enough to know that he's got a great heart. And, um, you, know, we, you know, we all wrestle with different demons, and he certainly had his fair share. But I'm thankful to say that uh, the Shia that I found in Los Angeles the other day seems to be in a, a really great place. He's been through rehab, he's clean and sober, and he's, um, and he's also putting out great work into, into film and theater. Um, he's got the movie Honey Boy coming out later this year that's getting huge acclaim. He wrote that and stars in that as a version of his own dad. All of which is to say, this conversation is about to drop on MTV News's uh, YouTube page, and uh, I just saw a cut of it, and it's uh, it's something I'm very proud of. So I hope you guys check it out. It's his first extended sit-down, um, I think in years, truly. Like, I don't think he's done a, a long-form conversation like this in a long, long time. So very privileged that Shia trusted his story with me, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed catching up with him. Anyway, that's a lot of Josh Horowitz business. Oh God, I didn't even mention all the after hours. Okay, I'm gonna say this really quickly. Uh, we, have a new, we have a new Comedy Central after hours we did with Zachary Quinto that is so fucking funny. <laughs> I'm gonna say that, not to toot my own horn, but to say Zachary is hysterical in it. It's uh, called An Actor Acts. It's the second installment of that series. We did one with Benedict Cumberbatch. He 
is amazing in it, and I really need you to watch it because I've never seen Zachary be this funny, and he really brought it. Go to Comedy Central's uh, YouTube page, look up Comedy Central After Hours, Zachary Quinto. Please watch that because we put a lot of hard work into that, and it's one of the funniest things I've ever been a part of. Okay, that's it. That's all the advertisements. I apologize. That was a lot today. But we're, it's a busy summer, guys. What can I say? Here's my conversation with Jack Rayner. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Spread the good word. Go see Midsummer, Midsummer, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, and enjoy this chat. It's been too long. Mr. Jack Rayner has too come long. by. I'm the eating office. sweets right now. Sorry. I'm, that's I'm not like sweets. Crunching. That's crunching. Take backs. You're freshening up for me. Yeah. It's for you. <laughs> I was going to say, when you walked mm. in, that breath yeah, it it could destroy heinous, human beings. <laughs> um, a lot to cover. We haven't seen each other for a bit, and you're in a crazy, fucked up, great new movie from mm. Ari Aster. What are we, uh, is it Midsommar? Midsommar? It's say? interesting. Because it's not even said in the movie, right? It's no. Uh, the Swedes call it Midsommar. Midsommar? <laughs> <laughs> they just dropped the D all together. Right. We were always calling it Midsommar. Right. And now, since it's... Starting to get a bit of traction, people are just going, it's midsummer. Yeah, ugly Americans are just being like, midsummer. It's midsummer. <laughs> just put an A on the end of it, lads. Um, well, let's, okay, let's, let's start by uh, my discovery the other day, which I was just telling you about, which mm. is not only are you on Instagram, but you're, you have two Instagram accounts because you are a cinephile, Mr. Rayner. That's right. And you devoted a whole portion of your social media lifestyle to this. Yeah. So is this like a, an effort to expand your horizons? Were you already like always a hardcore film geek and this is just I've a way I've always to- been a hardcore film geek. Um, it's been developing exponentially over the past seven or eight years and I, f- I find it hard to f- actually find people to talk about movies with mm-hmm. enough right. um, and I'm not like I'm not a big social media person I got rid of my Twitter last year I think social media by and large is fairly toxic but yeah, I, saw, I saw your goodbye on Twitter and it had an ominous sort of like thanks for the <laughs> thanks for nothing suckers <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I thought that, you know, writing about movies, which is like what I love most, is a good way to engage with social media. And if it can broaden some people's horizons of cinema, you know, then then great. If there's people stuff people are going to find on there, they're not going to find on Netflix or they're not going to find in a big, you know, like chain theater. Right. Great. Yeah, I mean, you were even just saying to me, well, you're doing a, a live podcast I'm doing tonight. a live one tonight. And you already like showed me up by mentioning a film I'm not even aware of. <laughs> so I'm really resentful. Yep, yep. Um, Sonatine. But what is, what is great, great Takeshi Katano. I don't know if you know Takeshi Katano. I, my, my, my foreign film knowledge is woefully... I'm right. not pretend. I mean, I obviously, I, I've seen some stuff, but like I... So like, okay, when did you when did you develop a passion for film? Like what, like what age and how did it kind of develop? And what? I was really young when I kind of caught the film bug. I don't ever remember there being a point where I wasn't watching films and like just absorbing them you know what i mean like from the first time i think the first movies that i ever watched were like the jungle book the original animation of the jungle book and 
I remember the for some reason the Mighty Ducks was like my favorite movie when I was like you know it four or five. It's, it's on the AFI list. It, it, should, so, it should be. Clearly. Yeah, it's so it's so weird though because the Mighty Ducks is like we don't have hockey in Ireland. You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, it's like a sci-fi a movie. To you, it you might as like... well be a sci-fi movie. Yeah. And <laughs> um, so those are the first movies that I remember watching, and I was like really like I was just mad into film. There's something always that I thought was really magic about it. So uh, from you know, as long as I can remember, I always wanted to work in the film business, yeah. you know? Anybody in your family remotely connected to acting, theater, or the arts? Yeah, there's a, there's an uncle on my, um, my grandfather's brother, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, for a long time, one of the kind of main characters in a soap opera in Ireland called nice. Fair City, yeah. Um, but... It was kind of that, I think for me, it was just like more of a case of like, no, but nobody ever tried to influence me towards or away from cinema. It was something that I was led to organically develop by myself, you know? And what was, so connecting films to something like the films that Ari Oster has been making, the the filmmaker behind Hereditary and and Midsommar. Yeah. Um, Midsommar. Midsommar. (laughs) (laughs) Swedes hate me for my horrible accent. They're going to fucking hate us for this movie, dude. (laughs) I was wondering. Swedish tourism. (laughs) Oh, my God. Their their new, like, campaign is going to be like, Sweden, nothing like the movie Midsommar. (laughs) We promise. It will not. (laughs) What you saw will not happen here. Yeah. Um, But what was, do you remember early films of that sort, meaning films? Films that kind of like blew your brain away, like blew, blew your head up in terms of like kind of stuff that maybe you were too young for at the time uh, that, that opened up your mind a bit. That's an interesting question. There, it's 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 hard to compare anything to this movie because it's yeah. it is quite unique, you know. Like you know from having seen it yourself. Um, I mean, I remember films that got under my skin when I was a kid. Um, like, I mean, I, I probably watched Chinatown when I was about 13 or 14. And yeah. I remember just being like, whoa. <laughs> it's a dense movie. Yeah, it's a I complicated never, plot that's even hard for adults to kind of figure out. Hard for anyone to unpack, let yeah. alone a 13-year-old <laughs> who hadn't even conceived of something like that being able to happen. Well, not to mention, like, it has the, one of the most famous iconic last lines in a film that is, like, metaphorical. And, like, what oh. does that even mean? Like, forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. Like, exactly. What? What, was what that? dude? <laughs> So, yeah, I was young watching that, you know. So, like, that was one of the movies that really stuck with me when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but the thing that I love about cinema is that even now, I'm, I'm 27 years of age, and sometimes I watch films that give me the same feeling and that rock me in the same way, you yeah. know. Um, like, I watched a movie last year... Um, that gives me a similar feeling of discomfort to Midsommar, <laughs> uh, which is called In the Realm of the Senses. Have you ever heard of that no. film? No. Damn you. you gotta this check podcast it is out, over. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the most sexually explicit films of all time. And f- it basically features just like it's all unsimulated sex scenes for the entire movie. And it's su- it's super intense. A masterful this, piece of film. Is this just making. a piece of pornography? It's not. Okay. And it's interesting. <laughs> you can see this thing. If you get, you can get a Criterion copy of it. Right. And they have all the supplements in there. But it's a, that's the kind of the big point of contention is like, is this a pornographic film or is yeah. it not? And the director always said, you know, Nagisa Ashima, he always said, no, it's a pornographic film if you censor it and you blur out all of the, what is kind of, you know, like the private parts or whatever, like you make it profane, you make it obscene. But if you don't do that, you'll see that as a, as a filmmaker, I'm not shooting it from, 
angles that make it participatory like porn. Right. You're watching it objectively, so you see the story if you watch it. It's that also way. all about intent of the filmmaker, and that hopefully is conveyed. That exactly. It's not meant to- but that movie yeah. sat really heavy on me. You know, like last year I watched that and I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm glad I watched this on my own. Midsommar is that kind of film too. Was that before or after you had shot Midsommar? Before? That was before I shot Midsommar. Is it, is it revealing too much to say that there's some very interesting sexual activity in this film No, for I you? think we should talk about it. <laughs> I think we should talk about it because I don't, know, you, I don't know what screening you were at, but I was at a Q&A the other night. I wasn't at the Q&A one, no. Okay, so I was at the Q&A and I asked... Okay, we're not giving too much away, okay, but yeah. it's not a happy ending, okay? It's not a happy <laughs> ending. <laughs> and, I think uh, that's safe. Let's just say I'm not going to be in Midsommar too. <laughs> to be fair, I don't think anybody is, but... And there is one particular scene of, like, a sexual nature, which is pretty intense. It is one people, of the most disturbing sex scenes I've ever seen. And people react to it in different ways. Like, I right. went into that screen, and when that scene was going on, and a lot of the audience were laughing. Yes. And then some other people were looking, going, what is everybody laughing at, you know? Um, so I, at the Q&A, asked the audience, show of hands, who thinks that I should have, that, that I deserve to meet my end mm-hmm. as I did? Because mm-hmm. it's horrific right. how I go out in this movie. Right. Um, and there was like almost half the people in the audience put their hand up immediately. They were like, yep, he deserves it. He's such a dick. He deserves it, you know? Um, so I've been doing interviews about it today and talking to people about it. I when I signed on to the movie, it's like, yeah, this guy's not a good guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, he's kind of a, um, he's insensitive. He's not emotionally available to his girlfriend. He's, you know, like the way he he just can't take accountability for his actions, things yeah. like that. That's well, things that we're all kind of guilty of. What's insidious about it is that he's like, and yet, and yet, he's. It's kind of very passive, very passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, you obviously have like a natural charm and charisma that like comes across, and that I think that's probably thanks. Well, <laughs> aside from you showing up me up with your film knowledge today, um, but like. In a way, it kind of sneaks up on you, like you're kind of like not anticipating, you're kind of waiting for him to show his true colors that you hope and anticipate might be better than the sum of his parts. Yeah. And you yeah, never yeah, do. Yeah, and you don't, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, like I do, like I tried to play him in such a way that it feels like he's to some degree a, like a well-meaning character. He right. just doesn't have the capacity to be a good dude. Yes, to step up. You know up what I mean? To, to step, step up. up. Exactly. Right. Um. There were a lot of scenes that we shot that were cut out of the film in the, in the final cut um, where there's some more compassion coming from this guy. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I think for the purposes of purpose of, of, of making it d- divisive for the audience, yeah. a lot of that stuff was left out. So it's interesting that like half the people are like, no, he deserves it. And then the other half are just like, mm, maybe not. Maybe right, not right, the way right, he right. goes out. I love a good divisive film. I love yeah. the ones that like inspire arguments. Those are the ones that are worth... I yeah. mean, the, 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 the last thing you want is a film that's just going to go right through you. Exactly, dude. Um, Have you ever seen The Last House on the Left? I have seen The Last House on the Left. Okay. But, yeah, okay. So I was talking about this with a couple of people earlier on today. I watched that movie last year and as cinema goers, I think we're all accustomed to seeing like horrific sexual violence against women. Right. Um, And that film really like it went off in my head like a light bulb. I was like, wow, the scenes of murder in this are so expositional of these girls. And they're like, they're being, they're being exposed in a kind of a really gross way. Right. And at the end there's this payoff, which is like the revenge 
of the parents where they kill these guys who did it. But those guys, those actors, they don't face any of the same They don't exposition. go through what they, they had They don't to. go through what those girls, those female actors had to go through, which is so gross, you know? Even, like, one of these guys gets his dick bitten off, but you don't see it happening. You just see his face, you right. know? So, for me, one of the big draws with this film was that this character that I'm playing has like a 40 minute long, really humiliating death sequence. Yes. It's insane, you know, and it's fully expositional. And it was like, I think two or three days before we shot that scene, the, the big sex scene, I said to Ari, I've got to come running out of this place and it's got to be full frontal nudity. You've got to see everything because he's got, you've got to put him in that position where he's right. completely totally humiliated. And yeah, exactly. To kind of try and flip that thing on its head. And for okay, for the, I'm just gonna say, and I'll put this in the preamble to the podcast too. For those that are worried that we're like we are splitting the whole movie, trust me, it is the it's the journey, not the destination necessarily yeah, exactly. for this one. You'll get your bang for your book. Yeah, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so you, it's interesting you mention um, the the reaction in your audience because the same thing happened in mine, and and I and I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I was laughing actually quite a bit throughout yeah. this movie, mm-hmm. and I don't did that did that. Did that read through? Did that catch you off guard? Did that read in the script or what you it were shooting? It totally read in the script. And Ari and I are both huge fans of this guy called Chris Morris, okay. who's a British satirical um, kind of filmmaker. He used to do a TV show called The Day Today, uh-huh. which is where Alan Partridge, Steve Coogan's character, comes from. It was like a satirical news TV show. And then he did another one, which was like a primetime show called Brass Eye. And it was the most black humor. I mean, really challenging, you know, like the the membrane edge of comedy. And he was basically <laughs> ultimately taken off the air. But Ari and I are huge fans of this guy, you know, both of us are. And that was something that we really bonded over. And I remember reading the script and thinking, there's a lot of really dark humor in the film. And it's, a, it's there to challenge the audience. It's there to make you kind of go... I'm laughing, but why am I laughing? And is this really just horror or is it something to laugh at, you know? And you can see it with the audience. Like when people are sitting watching this film, there'll be one person laughing, one person laughing and the person sitting beside them will not be laughing at all. I was even, I was kind of like monitoring the the film Twitter verse and the first reactions to it. And I was seeing like this, like, and someone commented that like New York seemed to laugh a lot and LA didn't laugh at all. (laughs) I don't know what that says about the towns. Um, When we, when we watched the film, the cast, um, like, we only saw it for the first time a couple of nights ago. Yeah. And I was expecting it to be heavy. But we, for the first two-thirds of the film, we were laughing at these kind of moments of black humor. The final third of the film was silence. <laughs> there was silence in the theater. And when the credits rolled, none of us spoke to each other for about ten minutes. This must and we all had horrific nightmares <laughs> that night. Did yours involve you running naked in a field? or No, I don't. I don't remember. My girlfriend, Madeline, she had a nightmare about our dog being vivisectioned, basically. There is a photograph of our dog in the film. He made the cut of the movie. (laughs) Um, So she had that dream. I won't tell you Will Poulter's dream. He can tell you himself. It was horrendous. Being in a movie of this type must be kind of a dream for you. Like knowing what I know about you and and even what you've conveyed in the first 15 minutes of of talking today, Mm. just loving film as much as you do and loving films that inspire conversation, as we said. Mm. Um, is, th- is that kind of like the ultimate kind of, um, I don't know, appreciation for, for you as an actor when you're in a film that you, you know this is going to be argued for decades, yeah. whether people love or hate this? I mean, that's the hope, you know? Like, that, that is, that's kind of the endeavor. And when I read the script, 
I was excited because it wasn't clear to me exactly how you could execute a film of this yeah. m- scale and of this level of ambition. You yeah. know, it was just like it was a huge undertaking. And I'd watched Ari's shorts, and uh, you know, Hereditary hadn't come out at the time, but I remember thinking just from looking at his shorts, I was like, this guy. He knows what he's doing. So you hadn't seen Hereditary. Wow. Hadn't seen Hereditary. Okay. Um, but I, I, and, and and listening to him talk about cinema the way he does, he's so articulate, yeah. you know, and he's such a cinephile. Um, so listening to him and the pitch that he gave me about how technically he was gonna, he was gonna achieve all this stuff was was great. And yeah. I, even after that, I was still going, okay, yeah, but how exactly are we gonna do this? And that's exactly what I want as an actor, you know? Yeah. I don't want to go into something where it's like, okay, we're just going to make this thing and it's going to be easy and it's going to go like this. It's like, no, it should be <laughs> fucking hard. This, yeah, this movie I feel like is is the, the last nail in the coffin of me ever considering going to Burning Man. Yeah. This is what I imagine yeah, yeah, anything yeah. like that to be yeah. in, in my nightmare scenario. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so let's let's go back a little bit. We met, I guess, five or six years ago, probably, on the set in the mean streets of Detroit for... That's six years ago, yeah. Six years ago. Wow. So you were filming Transformers, and that mm-hmm. was like a huge kind of shift for you, obviously. Mm-hmm. And we can go back further in, ter- in terms of talking about like your big breaks back in Ireland. But mm-hmm. like that was the big kind of Hollywood moment. What were, like where was your head at during that shoot? Was what, were you appreciative? Were you on edge? Like what the fuck did I it get myself into? What to, was it like? It was hard. That was such a. I mean, I was just not prepared. You know what I mean? I just couldn't really have. I couldn't conceive of the intensity of making that film and yeah. making a film like that, you know, it was just nuts. And I mean, I loved like, I loved all the traveling that we did on it. That was pretty amazing. You know, like going, going and shooting in Hong Kong and stuff, you know, that's just like yeah. stuff that you don't really expect ever to get to do. Um, Were you there the day that a guy attacked Michael Bay with an air conditioner? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and bit his shoe. What the guy bit yeah, Michael's shoe too? Yeah, and he had a he had this Nike that had like air bubbles in it, and he, the, the guy burst one of the bubbles. <laughs> That's a hard bite. <laughs> and you saw this; you were a witness to the occasion. Um, I remember there was a bit of a ruckus going on. I think I'd stepped into some little tea shop or something, and and I remember hearing some screaming. Um, <laughs> More than the usual on a transformer set. But, no, but yeah. the thing about it was like the, this guy attacked, you know. Michael Bay, who had, I mean, there was, there had to be like 15 security guys standing right there. So the minute the guy even touched him, it was over. He had a football team on top of him. You know what I mean? It was crazy. Um, but yeah, it was a different world, man. Coming out of independent Irish film, it was just like, you can't be prepared for that. So it was kind of a baptism of fire in a way. Um, but then, I mean, of course that film afforded me the opportunity to go and shoot, things like Macbeth or go on and do like Free Fire or yeah. you know these kinds of movies that I that I also like love making you were know? you were you calculated about it and I don't mean that in a negative way even back then like when you signed on for it knowing like you know what a Transformers movie is going to be at best yeah. or worst mm-hmm. and but you also realize that it's going to afford you hopefully other opportunities exactly. that was part of the algorithm of course of course, yeah. of course. Did, um, go on did you did you and I'm curious because I, I'm always struck by like, you know, Bay has this like mystique around him, mm-hmm. but most of the actors that that have worked with him actually really enjoy him. Yeah. Like they kind of appreciate that he knows his shit. Yeah. He's, you know, he's not going to suffer fools. He's abrasive, but he's also just sort of like, he, he is what, what you he see is. is what you get. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not like, 
he's not masquerading as as somebody who's I don't know going to be compassionate towards people who don't do what he wants them to do. Yeah. I, I, I always say I was a badge of honor on that set. He, uh, he got on the bullhorn at one point and just said, Josh, I need you to move. I need, we're, we're shooting over there. I need, I need you to get out of there. And I was like, Michael Bay just yelled at me. Just yelled at you with a bullhorn. Yeah. Great. This, is, this was why I got into this business. No, me and him got on pretty well, to yeah. be honest with you. Um, there was definitely about a month of hazing, uh, which is something that we don't even have in Ireland. So I was entirely confused by it. I was was like what the fuck is this guy what is his angle right and um, and then i guess there came a point where he just realized that i was just there to do my job you know what i mean right. that's it and um, but we yeah we got on really well and i remember he came to ireland um a couple of months later and i just brought him around dublin for a weekend drinking points of guinness and well, he drinks Heineken's, but uh, <laughs> it's probably you know, a sponsorship deal. Yeah, he has exactly. To. <laughs> but I, but I brought him around Dublin, and and it was great. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody really gave a shit who he was, and I think he really enjoyed that. You wow. Know? Yeah. So did did the weird that kind of crazy experience uh, on that kind of ultra budget thing color your experience when you were obviously very much in the mix for for solo? Were you kind of like wary even going into something like that, even at best if you get that role, knowing this is going to be there's a lot attached to this. Yeah, partly, partly. I think for me, more than anything else, it's just like, you've got to be, you've got to be fully, you know, how can I put it? If you're going to commit yourself to something that's that big, you want to be sure that in five years time or 10 years time, you're still going to be you're still going to be engaged and you're still going to want to talk about it and you're still going to want to be involved. You know what I mean? Like I would hate to ever get myself into a situation where I was working on a project where there was multiple films or where it was like, and, and I just kept having to go on press tours again and again. And if I wasn't in love with it, it'd be a nightmare for me. You know, I find it difficult to do anything that's more than three months. A three-month shoot is about as much as I can do before I'm going, this is it. I'm, it's, I'm over it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. Um, and yet you're doing a... Well, get to the series in a bit, but you're in the second season of which, that. Yeah. Th- but that's down to three months now. Okay, that's the sweet spot. You're like, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, sweet. Um, so what was the... It must you, you must have had a very unique vantage point in watching the whole, all the solo shenanigans go down in yeah, terms of like, like, what, 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 like, were you like, I don't know, what was your take on just sort of watching the, the turmoil associated with that? And, and did you even end up ever seeing the I film? watched it. Yeah, yeah. And I actually really liked it. Um, yeah. I thought Alden Ehrenreich did a great job. Um, to be honest with you, I think it's probably my favorite out of all the recent Star Wars movies that have come out. Yeah. Um, I, it, it was one of those things where like, no matter what, way that film was released some people were going to love it some people were going to can it you know what i mean and and that was what happened but i thought it was i thought it was a big achievement i thought it was really good but it's also like again like you're going in to take over a property for everybody involved not this isn't doesn't just apply to the guy who plays han solo it applies to everybody who is working on the production. You're taking something that's precious, precious to people's childhoods yes. and you're trying to either reinvent it or give them more of the same. And some people are going to be disappointed either way. But personally, I liked it. The good know? thing is you also, obviously, Lord and Miller clearly respected you. You respected them. So yeah. down the line, those exactly. guys make good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, so backtracking a bit. So uh, 
you raised in, in Ireland, mm. um, moved to Dublin when you were a teenager? Two and a half. Oh, oh no, no, no. I moved to Dublin from Wicklow when I was 12. Right. Yeah. So when do you get serious about acting and how quickly does that kind of accelerate? Dude, again, like it was like I did an ad when I was like six years old. And even before that, I, my family were all extras in a, in a micro-budget feature that was shooting right by where I grew up in the countryside. And I turned up after school one day with my folks, and they were all like, it was a period shoot, you know, so they were all dressed up in this period gear. Right. And I asked the costumer, oh, can I, have, can I put something on, you know, whatever. So they gave me an outfit, and the director called me over to do this, like, basically like special insert it was just a close-up on me mm-hmm. um and i just like i think from that moment of standing there in the middle of a setup watching people laying track and getting everything ready to shoot and then just the experience of the camera coming towards me it was just like okay this is it done right done deal you know um so, so what do you so what do you do between the, those years and when you start to actually just watched a shitload of movies like everything it's research mom yeah 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 never did homework just watched films pretty much man honestly and i did a couple of like improv like groups and stuff when i was a teenager did some school plays things like that but i you know i i was kind of like okay i'm gonna get through my second level education i'm probably not gonna go to college i'm gonna give this a shot and see if i can do it yeah and that was what i did and it like it was crazy because i booked my first feature when i was finishing up secondary school so it was like the february before i finished in june and i went straight into the shoot with my first feature in september and yet i mean from what i gather that maybe was that dollhouse was that okay yeah and then you go from that to the Lenny Abramson film, yeah. which was huge back mm-hmm. home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and got you a ton of acclaim and a lot of attention. Yeah. Did, did that translate here? Because you did the festival thing here, as I Yeah, it went it down too, really right? well in Toronto. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I just signed with WME right as that movie was coming out. And I guess, you know, my agent, James Farrell over there, he just did a phenomenal job of getting the word spread around about that movie. Yeah. Um, and so within a couple of days of me arriving in LA, I booked this DreamWorks thing, which was great, which was the Delivery Man, the Vince Vaughn movie. Right, right. So I was shooting that, and then there was kind of, I guess, some advocacy from Steven Spielberg to Michael Bay saying you should have a look at this guy for Transformers, and that was how that went. So did that all feel like when you look back to that? It was ridiculous, mental man. It was crazy. <laughs> you're, you're playing a bartender yelling at Vince Vaughn. Yeah. And then you're hearing Spielberg is recommending you to Michael Bay. Yeah. Like how that's a within six months, a year. That's within all of that happened. I mean, from like the Toronto, Toronto was in September. I didn't know whether what Richard did was going to, how it was going to be received at all. We had right. no idea. Um, so from between the September and the December, everything happened. I was in Transformers in December. That's crazy. It was mad. Did yeah. you, and did you feel, even, even backtracking to Delivery Man, like when you get on like a big Hollywood mm. film set opposite a movie star, mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. are you like, this is where I'm meant to be? Or I'm like so, I have such imposter syndrome, it's not even funny. Like, or is it the, the hubris of youth and you're like, yeah, I can, I can handle this? 
Yeah, I think there was part of it. Yeah, I guess part of it was the Hebrews. <laughs> right? Yeah, but also it was just like I'd been fantasizing about it and pre- trying to prepare myself for it for my whole life. You know right. what I mean? It was just like yeah. it was all I'd ever wanted to do. So to be there, not that it felt natural, but it felt like I'm here now. You yeah. know what You've I mean? been dreaming of this since yeah. you were a kid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and relatively early on in those days when the, apparently you and Will Poulter are only going to make movies together. Like, How many films have you done? Like, We've done four, four films together. And you've directed now. him in a short, I see, yes, too, right? Yes, that is one of the projects, yeah. Um, yeah. So did you guys just get along famously from the start? Yeah, right from the get-go, right basically from the first day we met. We got on like a house on fire and... I think, yeah, like we, we actually, we talked about it at New Year's this year. We kind of spend our New Year's together. Mm. Um, and we were talking about it this year. I was like, dude, like, are we, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to stop working together? <laughs> like, cause we're doing it a lot. And I think, you know, he said, he was like, look, man, each of the projects that we've done, you know, like Glassland, Detroit, yeah. and Midsommar in their own right have been really solid pieces of work. And by the way, as different from each other as humanly possible. Exactly. <laughs> and then and then we've got the short as well, which we're both really proud of. Um, so I think we've kind of both agreed that as long as the quality of work remains, yeah. then we will continue to work together. I'm in awe of that guy too. I mean, I haven't talked to him quite as much as I've talked to you, but he's... Uh, I feel like he's like going to be like one of the great character actors, like yeah. of our time. Like he can just uh, do he's anything. Brilliant man, he is. He's amazing, and not afraid to be like despicable yeah. on screen. In this film, he's just like yeah, hissably delicious. But also, like in the in the in the short that we directed, man, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a it's a ghost story. It's adapted from a Japanese folk tale, but I said it during the Great Famine in Ireland, and um, you know he is playing this guy who's just suffering through the most unimaginable trauma of what the great Irish famine was and like you want to see just the authenticity in his performance yeah and it was great because he's an English guy playing an Irish person suffering through what the British government (laughs) imposed on the Irish do you know what I mean so like for him it was an exercise in empathy and and it really I mean everybody who was involved in it was really proud of it and I'm just like I'm so grateful to him he's just such a brilliant guy do do you feel is there a community of of young Irish actors like do you know like do you you know are you texting Saoirse Ronan are you spending Christmas with Liam Neeson like what's is is there a secret Irish film actor club Liam Neeson (laughs) sounds like a a, the next Taken film Um, (laughs) yeah I guess it's a small community we all kind of know each other you know Um, yeah and Saoirse and I would be in touch from time to time email each other you know once in a blue moon Um, yeah and like Sam Keighley I don't know if you know Sam Keighley is but he's brilliant brilliant actor my age he did um, that Ron Howard movie The Heart of the Sea and okay yeah yeah um, yeah he's fantastic Um, so yeah it's a small community and we all kind of we all sort of support each other and we all are invested in one another's success do you know what I mean because it is it's a small industry man And, and over the past 10 years the Irish film industry has just gone from strength to strength to strength and we're exporting more and more talent all the time more writers more directors yeah. more actors and uh, it's exciting and we're we're not we're done being fucking begrudgers man <laughs> we've been begrudging each other for long enough in Ireland do you take a special pressure when you get to like work back home and whether it's like with like a legend like Jim Sheridan or, or John Carney that mm. must be like a special it's great treat, right? it's great and you know and I'm friends with all those guys close friends with them all and 
these are people whose movies I watched when I was growing up, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and love, same thing with Lenny, you know? Um, but it's just like, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm filled with just excitement and optimism more and more about where the, where the Irish film industry is going. And like the last film that I made in Ireland was The Secret Scripture, was Jim's movie. Yeah. And that was in, I can't, it was 2015 we shot that. Um, so I haven't been in anything at home since, but going back and making my short there last year was just such a breath of fresh air, you know, is but that, I want to do more stuff at home. Is that still home? I mean, are you like, where are you at right yeah, now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Down in County Wicklow in Ireland. I live right where I grew up. I live a mile away from the house I grew up Amazing. in. Amazing. Yeah. I moved back and I, I love it so much. I identify with that place so much and it gives me a lot as an actor. Was there ever a, a moment where you're like, I'm going to give the LA thing a go where management was like, this really would be good for you just to be in people's faces a little bit more um i don't know maybe once <laughs> when i had a hangover <laughs> <laughs> why not punish myself and live in LA? yeah i don't know if i'd be able to it's live in it. la man yeah I, and, and i'm lucky in that it's not i don't really need to you know what i mean yes. I, my, my, you're my making work, work. Has, yeah. yeah my work has been extensive enough and i can fly out and meet people if i need to um, and you know, people people send me things, so that's great. So yeah. I, I I have the luxury of being able to live exactly where I want to live. And uh, a couple more films I want to mention. Um, anybody that's seen Sing Street is like, mm. you know, tells ten people around them you have to see Sing Street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still uh, get that all the time, man. People, that's the one. Not Transformers. Yeah. Not uh, nothing else. Sing Street is the one that everybody's like, oh. And sing straight, amazing. Right, and imagine if you wore your hair like that, you would be recognized like that every day. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but is that a, a, a good memory in particular of shooting that one? Big time, yeah. Loved making that film and really felt that was a kind of a, after the few years that had preceded it, that was such an amazing film to come home to and it just felt like a celebration of everything that had come before it. Yeah. And, and I was working with John who I'd known, you know, even before we shot Dollhouse, so, you know, that was, a, that was a real pleasure. And there was people who were on it who I'd worked with before, a crew who I'd worked with before on it. Um, and I just loved every minute of making that movie. And it's all about music, which I love. And I love talking about music. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, not to say it, it, it's a, a worthy piece of work, but probably enjoy is probably the wrong word to attach to Detroit. That's mm, <laughs> Whoa. That was hardcore. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, Catherine Bigelow, the subject matter, night shoots, just, it's... Yeah. Uh, the night shoots were mad. I don't know, it's... I, I'm still trying to figure out why we were shooting... <laughs> You're inside anyway, in, wait a second. Inside a tented house at night <laughs> that is an for excellent two point. months. A month in where you're like, uh, Catherine, can I talk to you for a second? Yeah. Why are you doing this to Why? us? Why? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we all went crazy on that movie. But it was very, I mean, that was incredibly intense. And I think, you know, obviously um, Will's character in that film, you know, I think I think that took its toll on him trying to play that guy. And, uh, of course, you know, for Algy and all the rest of the guys, it was, it was a nasty place for them to have to go. It's a weird headspace to be in for... For all of, of us, yeah, yeah. For all of us, nobody, nobody was enjoying um, the, you know, the kind of context of, of what we were shooting and, and some of the stuff that we were saying to those guys. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just horrible. And you know, and like in part, partly in your mind, you're like, oh yeah, well, it's not real. It's a movie. 
um, and we're just actors just playing a role. But there are certain things that you can say to people and no matter what the context is, whether you're an actor or not, you can see how much it hurts. How nasty it is, you know. Yeah. So we, but the, everybody committed. Everybody went there. Everybody gave a hundred percent on that movie. Uh, on, on a much lighter note, uh, it's it's funny that you, you you mentioned two of the films you watched growing up. One of them was Jungle Book. So that yeah. must have been a treat to work with Andy. Total Serkis, trip, man. Yeah, and also we shot that in a hotel. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Was we it shot, like one of those like black box kind of like, were you mocap in that? Was that performance yeah, capture? Yeah, That's yeah, the yeah, balls yeah. and everything, the well, whole crazy thing? we didn't thing? have the balls. We had, um, it was kind of facial capture. Yeah. But what they did was there was a big conference room in this hotel in Watford. <laughs> and so they set up um, basically like stages in, in the way that they were going to design the actual set. And they put cameras all over the room. And then we each had these kind of... Um, head mounted cameras right and we just did the whole thing it was like a play for two weeks and it was just crazy it's like the first morning i came down and like andy circus is like okay here you go here's your arm extensions and i'm gonna teach you how to run like a wolf now and i'm just bounding across a room with andy circus you know what i mean <laughs> that was the most insane experience but to audition for that movie was probably even crazy tell me what happened we were in a room, an office that's probably a quarter the size of this room. <laughs> By the way, this office is not that big, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so basically I had to perform the audition scene, but do it like I was an animal, like I was a wolf. So I'm like on the ground in the corner, like being an, an animal, just going fuck, I hope I get this role because if I don't, it's going to be the most humiliating <laughs> thing ever. I hope this is not for Andy Serkis' new prank show yeah, on yeah. MTV. And I'm just looking up at him as he's sitting in his office chair, just looking, nodding at me. And it was like, okay, I don't know how that went, but we'll see. But um, thankfully he took me on board and it was an amazing experience. I would love to work with him again. He's, he's one the, the sweetest. One of the nicest guys oh, I've ever met. Yeah, he's he's the best. And not mm -hmm. to mention one of the best actors on the planet. And yeah. Has Kind of and reinvented an art form in a way. He's like a wizard, yeah. He's like actually magic, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of auditions, you know, we've talked about kind of the dabbling in and out of the blockbuster thing. Like for anybody, any actor at any age, let alone your age, where it's like kind of prime time, like leading man territory, mm. like is there the impulse, the need to like, do you go up for the superhero stuff? Like does every, I mean, every actor does. And how, what's your attitude about that stuff now? I kind of stay away from it, to really? be honest, yeah. Much to the behest of my team. They really, like, they're not happy when I go. You don't even go in for it. A lot of the time I don't, to be honest with you, man. Was the, was the one that actually did appeal to you? Like, a, Well, a, the Han Solo one for sure. Okay, like, it was yeah. just like, this would be amazing. You know what I mean? What a cool thing to yeah. do. Um, there's been... What has there been since then? I'm not... I just... I have superhero movie fatigue in a big way. Um, I guess... I guess a lot of people don't, so cool. <laughs> it works for you. <laughs> but, you know, like, if I was going to do something that was like a franchise, if I was going to do something that it was three films or whatever, I would want to do something that was more along the lines of Alien, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who is the, I mean, as a, as a self-professed cinephile, who is the, who's on the shortlist right now of filmmakers that, like, you've That told, I'd love to work with? Yeah, that you've told the team, if they call, put them right through, <laughs> get me a lunch, get me yeah, anything. Yeah, right. Um, are they the old school guys, or are they kind of Some like of them the are the old school guys. I would love to work with Spike Lee, you know? Yeah. I'd love to work with David Lynch, you know? Like, come on. Did you watch all of that Twin Peaks? How amazing was yeah. the return? Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. 
Um, I would love to work with Jack Odiard. Have you mm. seen any of his stuff? Yeah, what's the latest? I prophet, haven't seen the latest. The one. Sisters oh, Brothers. I've seen. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, oh, that's right. I saw Sisters You know, Brothers he's too, pretty, yeah. pretty exceptional. And then there's people I'd love to work with again. I'd love to work with Lenny again. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, me and Ben Wheatley have done a lot of stuff together since Free Fire. We, well, we did two seasons of Strange Angel anyway. Um, oh, he's been directing episodes of that Yeah, one. I he didn't did, even yeah, realize that. I asked awesome. him if he'd come on on the first season and do an episode, and he did. And then he came back and he did the first two episodes of season two. Amazing. Second episode is uh, airing tonight. There you go. There's a Strange Angel plug. <laughs> uh, CBS All Access, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I confess, I'm late to the Strange Angel thing, but I, mm-hmm. I watched the first episode last night knowing mm. you were coming in. And it, and Strange is the operative word. This is strange, a fascinating... Like, yeah. that this even exists is amazing. Yeah. I, I can only imagine what the, the pitch process was mm. for the creators of this to get this actually Yeah, I air. wonder. Yeah, it's mad. So what's, um, what's fulfilling about this character, this this? He's endeavor? a fascinating guy, you know? Um... And I remember reading about Jack Parsons years ago. Um, for anybody who doesn't know who this guy is, he was he was a real guy, and um, he was one of the kind of founding fathers of the rocketry industry in the states. Right. He started the JPL and a company called Aerojet, um, but he was also the head of a sex magic cult. Another one of those. Another one of those guys. This <laughs> <laughs> um, is like the, if the kid from October Sky grew up to be. Uh into uh, sex clubs, sex, yeah. sex and magic. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, he's a really fascinating character and it's also a really interesting time in the history of America and yeah. uh, particularly Los Angeles, you know, which is a really culty place. Like LA is super culty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's it's an interesting show to do. I also feel like there's a cl- there's kind of like a culture of, a culture of culty things <laughs> going on. There's loads of shows about cults. There's fucking you walk around the street and there's like pentagrams everywhere on all the all the billboards. Well, I don't know if you've over. noticed. We are in the end of days. I guess Jack, that so must be what it is. There's something in the yeah. air, whether it's zombies or cults or it's yeah. all about the yeah the fucked up shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And your movie. What a segue back. What a segue back. Yeah, <laughs> Midsommar. Midsommar. Um, <laughs> the most beloved film in all of Sweden. Yeah. Um, Whoa. <laughs> what will they think about it there? Good luck going on the podcast there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is your podcast up and running? I need to check it out. Um, it's not up and running yet. Okay. I've got two episodes of it done I did one with Bella Heathcote and I, um, I've, I've done one with Josh and John Baker who directed Kin okay. um, I'm gonna probably build up eight of them Got and it. then release them and I'll just like see how it goes see how people respond to one season of it and then if you know if people like it I'll do another one I love it so it's just gonna be friends and filmmakers and actors yep. talking about talking cool, about films, films talking about the industry um, you know talking about how they got into it, you know, what what stuff they liked when they were growing up. Basically yeah. exactly what you're doing there right you now, go. but there it'll be go. me and see in your seat. <laughs> if you want a more attractive version of Happy Sad Confused, well, what's the podcast going to be called? I don't know yet. Okay, TBD know. with uh, with Jack Rayner. Um, this is, I, I love my podcast for many reasons. One is that I get to catch up with people I haven't caught up with in a while. Mm. And, you know, I'm a fan of yours, buddy. And I'm so happy that you're up to cool things working with the likes of Ari Aster. And uh, everybody should check out Midsummer. Yeah. And uh, be go- careful, though. <laughs> Disclaimer. We've given you enough warning. I mean, if yeah. they don't, you know, know what they're getting into by now, I it's think, on them. Yeah, that's true. But if you see one film this summer where Jack Rayner is running around in the forest naked, Full let it be this one. Yep. Yep. We just sold some tickets. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you, buddy. You too, man. Thanks for having me. 
And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. Ha, ha, ha.